we've had a great last few weeks as we've been walking uh, through the Advent season closer and closer to Christmas. Uh, as Aaron shared with us, um, talking about hope, and Jeff shared with us talking about peace, and last week Callie uh, focused on joy. And this morning I get the honor um, of talking about love. Now. Amy's trying to help me prop the table up. After all the years I've spent in the restaurant business, I know how the legs of these tables work. Um, I, I'm, I'm well aware. Have y'all seen that commercial of the guy who gets under the table? Put, he puts something under the table. Every time I watch that, I think, if he really knew what was going on, he'd know the legs unscrew. You just got to get down there and unscrew them a little bit. And then I would suggest go wash your hands. Um, not at our restaurant. It's clean down there, but nobody else's is. Um, Reading through the stories of Jesus and thinking about walking towards Christmas, I was reminded this week how I'm a little disappointed with what the Bible doesn't tell us about Jesus' parents. I want to know more. I want to know more about this young woman and this young man because in the little bit that I know, they seem like such incredible people, impressive in their faith and their boldness. As we read through their story, we see that theirs is an incredible story of love that can teach us wonders. And yet, as I use the word love, it's, it's not love like many of us may, might think. We've seen movies that try and make this a little more modern day or a little easier for us to relate to. Or or perhaps in your own mind you have images of what it looks like for, for Mary and Joseph to be walking towards the idea of marriage. And I think that many of us assume that this is some ideal teenage love story. We think about it the way that we think about our modern day movies that we watch on TV of of what love looks like and, and how it looks for two people to move towards love and what engagement is and all the romance that surrounds it. And yet, as we think about Mary and Joseph's story, it's quite possible that at this point in the story, they still had not ever met. There's little to no chance that they had some kind of love at first sight experience. This, this overwhelming feeling of love and romance that helped them make it through these incredibly difficult days. More than likely, their marriage had been arranged by two sets of parents who decided that marrying their Joseph to their Mary was beneficial for the households. So most likely, two Jewish fathers made the decision to marry their children to one another and later informed them that this was coming. Now, for us, it's a foreign concept. It seems unfair. It seems forced. It's a violation of rights and desires. And yes, it may be. But for them, it was simply the way of their culture. Whether they liked it or not, this was the way in which things happen. And I wonder, as I read through their story, if, if that pain, if that difficulty, as hard as it sounds to us, doesn't actually end up becoming one of the easiest things that they have to wrestle with among all the difficulties in their relationship. 
You see, if, if you are familiar with the story, you know that probably not long after they found out that they were going to be married to one another, they both had a visit from an angel where they received quite shocking news. Luke's story focuses more on the person of Mary in this whole interaction. And man, her story is powerful. I have grown an incredible admiration for the faith and the bravery of Mary over the last several years. A few years ago, we even did our Advent series and we focused the entire thing on Mary so that we could recognize some of the highlights of her story. Because in my opinion, she's one of the most incredible heroes of our scriptures, especially of this Christmas story. And for us Protestants, in many ways, she's been an unsung hero. We have overlooked her role almost entirely. And I would encourage you, we're not going to do so this morning, but I would encourage you to take some time and go back and look through her story. And for that matter, the story of multiple female heroes in our scriptures and learn about their stories and the multitude of ways in which we have have overlooked them, have missed them, have missed the incredible things that are going on. Let's write those oversights. So Luke tells us about Mary, but Matthew seems to focus a little more on the story of Joseph. On a little more of the role that Joseph played in what was happening, on the experience that he had with the angel. But it starts in this way. Luke tells us it was an angel who came and told Mary she was going to have a baby, right? Not sure if you remember that. I think we've read that a time or two in the last few weeks. But Luke told Mary a baby was coming. Matthew gives us absolutely no idea how Joseph found out. Now think about that. We don't know how Joseph found out that a baby was coming. Apparently someone told him. So at least one someone, maybe many someones are aware of the trouble that's going on. Aware of the scandal of this news. The scandal that is Mary was supposed to be a virgin and she claimed she still was. But most of those who heard this news wouldn't have believed it. They wouldn't have believed what she had to say. They wouldn't have believed that it was going on. Jewish engagement looks very different than engagement for us does. It's, it's not marriage, and yet many of the rules of marriage still apply. Everything is still in floor. There are still the same expectations. So even though Mary and Joseph weren't yet married, they, they weren't yet together, we can't think about it the way that we tend to think about modern-day engagements, which may or may not last a long time, which may or may not continue all the way through a marriage. No, no, this was locked in. And with it carried the same rules as marriage, one of those being that the two of them could not be with anyone else, especially Mary, especially the woman in the situation. It was not possible. It was not an option. It was punishable by death. Now, now again, we need to remember as we think about these two and we think about all that's going on between them. Jewish law now permitted that Joseph had the opportunity, had the right to break off this arrangement. This arranged marriage, this arranged engagement that was going on, he could now end this. And, and again, we've got to remember, not two lovesick teens, not two folks who are fighting with everything that's in them to try and figure out how to stay together, even though they've heard bad news, even though things are difficult. They still, at this point, may not have ever met one another. So the logical and the legal option was for Joseph to end this plan. 
It even made sense that he could have her killed if he so desired because this, this violation had been so terrible. This is what their community would have expected. It's quite possibly what his father and his mother would have encouraged him to do. He had no reason to spare her. He had no reason to protect her. He had no reason to move forward with what was taking place, with what was happening, with all that he was hearing. Whether or not he believed it was true, there was no reason for him to continue to move forward. No reason other than this. In verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, which is what we read, it says this. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago when Jeff was sharing with us um, about peace, he talked about the word righteous or righteousness. Talked about the idea that, that that word is about a right relationship between God and people. It's about us having a right relationship with God. Our righteousness is about our relationship with God being right. And the passage tells us that Joseph was what? Joseph was righteous. Out of that, as Jeff talked, he talked about righteousness being right relationship with God. And then it's out of that that a pursuit of justice comes, which is about right relationship between people. So Joseph, this righteous man, wanted justice for Mary. And not the kind of justice that we may think of. Jewish justice said that it was completely appropriate. It was justice for him to end the marriage commitment, for him to have his fiance killed for what she'd done to him. But justice for this righteous man named Joseph was to spare Mary's dignity. To end the marriage quietly. To give her peace. And then Matthew tells us that Joseph had his own experience with an angel. His own visit where an angel came and told him that Mary was actually telling the truth, that her story was true, that everything had happened exactly the way that she said it had. So Joseph chose a love greater than the love he already had. It was an incredible act of love for him to spare her dignity, for him to spare her life, for him to spare her reputation in the ways that he was. But he chose a love even greater, the love for God that we're not told a lot about, but clearly it must be here. This incredible man of faith who's walking after his religious expectations, who's following after his God, who has this visit with an angel, who makes a decision out of his love for God... To show love to Mary and her child. So Mary and Joseph chose to take a difficult journey with God. A difficult journey towards a baby named Jesus. They chose to love one another. Even though everything around them said that they shouldn't. They chose to trust God because they believed that God was bringing love to the world through this miraculous baby. The angel mentioned the prophecy, and it's in Matthew one twenty three that we see that. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. As we see Mary and Joseph's story intertwined with the story of Jesus and the coming of Jesus this morning, I want to point out two important truths that I think we need to see as we walk towards Christmas. Two important things we need to hold on to. And the first is this, and it's so simple, and it's what we hear over and over again at Christmas, is that God has a deep, 
deep love for people. The story of Jesus coming to earth in such miraculous ways reminds us that God loves us so desperately that God will do anything to rescue us. God has and will work in unexplainable and unbelievable ways to prove God's love for us. Generations before Mary and Joseph were even thought of. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said that a virgin would have a baby and that that baby would be God with us. God is with us. Emmanuel. The story of scripture over and over and over again reminds us of God's desire to be in right relationship with people. So repeatedly, the Old Testament story tells us that that as God is working on this, God is working towards reconciling, towards bringing things together, towards fully restoring God's relationship between God and people. And each time that they seem to be on the right path, what happens? They choose their own way instead of God's way. And they break what's going on in this relationship once again. So as we transition out of the Old Testament into the New Testament... We see God make another effort to reconcile the relationship. But this time, God bypasses sending a representative to interact between God and the people. Instead of sending a representative, this time God decides that God will go and be with the people. God chose to come and be with people. God chose Jesus. God chose Emmanuel. God chose to be with us. Believing that the best way to bring new creation was to come into creation as a human. The best way to show God's love for people was by becoming one of them. So we find Jesus. Fully human, fully God. Story of love, a story of sacrifice. Mary, who sacrificed her future. Joseph, who sacrificed his reputation. God, who sacrificed God's self. Love for God, love for people, love for all of creation. This is the story of Christmas. This is the story that we're walking towards and the story that we tell. And as we walk through these final days of Advent, as we prepare for Christmas, as it gets closer and closer and closer, it is my hope above all else that you and I would know that we are deeply loved by God. Friends, you are deeply loved by God. You were so deeply loved by God that God chose to do the ultimate work towards restoring this broken relationship. God chose to become a baby. To come in weakness and innocence. God chose to become one of us. So that God could bring us rescue from ourselves and from our own sins. It doesn't matter who you are or who you have been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself or what others think of you. God believes that you are beautiful. God believes that you are beloved. God believes that you are worth sacrifice.
So Christmas, the coming of the baby, is a powerful piece of this ongoing story of God's love for you and for me and for all of creation. And as we walk towards Christmas, this Christmas, we want you to know you are deeply loved by God. Jesus deeply loves you. Sometimes we need to just sit in that for a moment, don't we? You are loved. But there's a second truth that I think is important for us to grasp in the story of Christmas. A second important thing that we get in Mary and Joseph's story is it overlaps with what's coming with Jesus. And that is that God chooses to use people in bringing salvation. God chooses to use people in repairing relationships. God chooses to use people in bringing hope and peace and joy and love. As we read through the story of the scriptures, I begin to wonder all of the possible things that could have taken place. Surely there was an option that existed other than God becoming human and living among us, right? Surely. Surely there was some other option rather than this scandalous origin story of a virgin who has a baby. Surely there was some other option than a young girl and a young boy. Surely there was some other unexpected, unexplainable method by which God could have brought new creation, could have changed everything and restored everything. But God has always desired to be deeply connected with people. And God has always desired that people would join with God in bringing about new creation. So we watch as we walk through the story of the scriptures and we see Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and his sons and daughters, a nation. Moses, Joshua, judges like Deborah and Samuel, kings and prophets. A girl, a boy. Disciples, apostles, the church. God desires to use people to move forward the work of salvation. God desires to use people to move forward love. God desires to use people to move forward recreation. Christmas is the story of Jesus coming to be with us because God deeply loves us. But it is also a story that reminds us that God used a girl and God used a boy to bring God into the world. And now that God wants to use you and me, God's beloved, to bring God into the world. God wants to use you and me. God wants to use Valley to help others come to know and follow Jesus. God wants to use us to tell other people about hope and peace and joy and love. God wants to use us to show other people what it means to live as a people of hope and peace and joy and love. God wants to use us to offer others new life. God wants to use us. 
to tell others and to show others what the gospel is and what it means and what it looks like. Friends, God wants to use you and me to bring salvation, new creation, transformation. And we receive these gifts through faith in Jesus. We experience them more fully as we're willing to surrender to God and what God is desiring to do in us. And we pass them on through transformed living, which is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been called to be a new generation of Mary and Joseph. Not in the exact same way. Not because this precisely will be our story, but we have been invited to bring the miracle of Jesus into the world for all to see. We have been called to sacrifice our own wants and desires and hopes and expectations all for love. To join God in making new life possible for all people. In the video that we watched earlier, and we've watched one of those each week as it's helped explain hope and peace and joy and love. It tells us that we love because we have been loved. It reminds us that we show love because we have been shown love. That we love others because Jesus has chosen to love us. And then the video ended this way. The first few times I had to listen to the end over and over and over again because I wanted to make sure that I heard those words. It says, Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world. Which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then give it out to others. Creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. Friends, that's what Joseph did for Mary. That's what Mary did For us. And that's what we have been gifted to do for others. We have been loved. We are loved. You are loved. So the call of Christmas for the church. Is that we can now become love for others. This Christmas and beyond. Pray with me, would you? Precious Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for loving us so deeply and so boldly that you've chosen to work in miraculous and sacrificial ways to prove your love for us. Thank you for Joseph and for Mary, for a young girl and a young boy willing to sacrifice everything they expected. To be faithful to you, God. 
Lord, I pray that we would be a people of that kind of faith, a people of that kind of love, a people transformed by your love so that we can become a people of love, a people who bring God into the world for all to see so that we, so that they might experience salvation, new life, radical transformation. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.